What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Live in the Studio. We are joined today by Jacob Davis. Uh, welcome, man. It is season two, episode one. Thank you so much for being here and, and helping us kick off the season together. Uh, we've got a we've got a friend over in the corner here. We got Trey Burke down there <laughs> <laughs> hanging out. He's going to be playing. That's uh, what episode was Trey last season? Ooh. Oh, don't ask me that. Why are you putting uh, me on the spot? Seven, like that? eight, seven, eight. I want to say it's like seven to nine. Somewhere, somewhere in there. But I'm you guys will get wrong. to see him. You guys will get to see him <laughs> later. But uh, we were, I think when we put out Trey's episode, right? You messaged us. That's how we met you. Mm-hmm. And you said, hey, I uh, love what you guys did. Love to come on if you guys are ever interested. And we've been trying to put it together since... Since like, like November, since last season, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I appreciate you sticking with us, man, and, and, and being able to be here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, um, I've got kind of kind of a weird life. Um, I grew up in a really musical house. My dad was a uh, producer and engineer. Oh, okay. And everyone in my family writes songs. Okay. So we're weird batch for I sure. wanted a family like that. You wanted a family? <laughs> no one in my family played. Oh, okay. Not a single that's person. Unfortunate. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I'm just a pretty artsy person. Uh, if you care about the Enneagram, I'm a four or five. I mean, I have, so he has no idea I have no is. idea what that is. <laughs> okay, cool. We don't have to talk run about that. Run that by me. <laughs> run that by the way. That's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just an artsy person. I describe myself like I'm a hobbit that wants to hang out in my house and okay. be artistic. And Gandalf is always knocking at my front door and asking me to do crazy stuff. Nice. So uh, we can kind of delve into that. Yeah. So so you said your parents were musicians? Yeah, my parents uh, are musicians. My whole family is um and uh so i was always surrounded by it uh my dad i think he put together the second or the first i think the jam room is the second recording studio in columbia oh wow during the like early uh 90s late 80s i want to say 88 is when they started is he is it still operating oh okay still operating i have to look that up later yeah it's cool it's run by jay now and they have this thing called the jam room uh music festival that they do in october each year um but yeah, I just grew up around nothing but punk and rap and okay. worship music. Nice. Um, so it's kind of funny when people uh, talk to me about music because I, I remember listening to like The Queers, which was a really big 90s punk band. Mm-hmm. And then Laura Story and all of the Elevation dudes recorded there when they were in punk bands because they were all pop punk kids. Okay. Um, so my dad did like a lot of work with Wade Joy and... Oh, wow. Those guys. Yeah. Um, But then there was also a ton of rappers like, um, you know, Fats Cat the Rapper and some of these other guys with these really weird long names. Okay. Um, When was this? What year would this be? Like early 2000s? Yeah. I think he's probably most busy between 98 and 2002. And so does he still do it or now? He does, but in a different capacity. So in 2005, uh, my family became full-time missionaries in Germany. Oh, wow. Um, They were involved in this mission organization called Proclaim International starting in 98. And uh, my mom and my dad felt really called to to go into full-time ministry. So how old would you have been 2005? How old are you? 
I'm 28. Okay, so we're the same age. Well, oh, no, cool. you're you're older. Do you know how old you are? I'm 27. You right? are 27. <laughs> yeah, I just turned 27. That's, it's weird, right? Like, thank you. You don't. You probably don't feel that your age, right? No. I mean, well, we've been married so long, we we just always feel way older than we are. Okay, we started it's, we started going to bed and watching Jeopardy at like nine p.m. when we were like twenty four. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, okay. So, How long have you guys been married? Um, nine years this year. We're nine. yeah, we got married at eighteen, so wow. we just met super okay. young, and yep. we we met um, originally in middle school, and literally we knew each other from the time we were twelve until now. But uh, we started dating. We graduated both young. Mm-hmm. So we were 17 when we started dating. We mm. got married and then turned 19 like a month or two later. Man, it's so. like some Phil Robertson level relationship stuff. I, I, again, <laughs> I don't know who you're referencing. Uh, but, you know. I'm, I'm talking about the um, Duck Dynasty guys. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, it just kind of ended up being that we knew each other forever mm. by the time we started dating. And mm. we, we never even thought about it until we started dating. And then mm. it was like, oh, okay, we've already known each other like half our life at this point. Mm. Um, and Yeah, but because of that, anyone born after like... O two assumes we're like thirty five or something I crazy. Did, you I know, did. They're, I love that. Yeah. they're just like you're what you're twenty seven. I get one or the other. Yeah. Uh, I I get either I'm people guess I'm super young or yeah. they guess I'm like in my thirties, and it's uh-huh. it's I think it's all just based on who it is because it's like when we're at church or anything like mm-hmm. people in the like some of the youth one of our mm-hmm. uh, youth he was like how old are you I was like I don't know how old do you think I am he was like thirty three. I was like, you're a jerk. <laughs> and at that point, I was like 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like 17, 18, though. Oh, so, yeah, you know, I, I feel that. Um, so, so your parents, so were you in Germany in 2005 then? Yeah, we did 05 until I want to say it was 09. We moved back to Florida for two years. Okay. Um, not intentionally. We got stranded for a year, which okay. happens a lot. And then when I was 16, we moved back. And I did my last two years of high school in okay. Germany. Um, what was that like growing up just different in different places? Uh, it feels like it's an out-of-body experience, but you never get out of the out-of-body experience. Okay. So you're, you're constantly pinching yourself like, what is my life and what am I doing? And yeah. um, so I think uh, a lot of, we call them TCKs, third culture kids, um, they look for something normal or consistent, whereas maybe a monocultural kid would look for the exciting, you know, because their life is already exciting. So you want calm. So, so musically, you went from like your dad owns a studio, you're hearing punk, rap, yeah. like all these different styles. And then you're going to different countries. Were you hearing different kinds of music over there? Like, what was that? Yeah. How was that impactful? So, or was it? It was really impactful. Um, the it was interesting because Proclaim did not have a rock band, and okay. my dad was a metalhead. Okay. Um, you know, his his story is his own story. But um, for, you know, if you can imagine a five year old like I'm sitting at this like support gala, and there's thousands of people and there's a bunch of people who are in their 60s playing funk and latino music and <laughs> like you know gypsy jazz and blues rock and r&b and i'm just sitting there like what we're doing what <laughs> and it wasn't like worship music it was thought provocative music meant to make people think okay. to have a gospel conversation or to have some kind of healing theological discussion when we first started talking one of the things you had mentioned was uh your time touring 
I know it sounds like there's been some development since there too. I don't know how much you can or mm -hmm. would want to talk about yeah. that right now, but tell us about your time touring. What's that been like? How'd you get into it? Yeah. Cause that's something I think a lot of people want to get into, but mm -hmm. don't understand how. I think the first time that it started getting more serious where I was an artist, cause I, I essentially like 60 to 65% of my touring experiences as a roadie, Okay, which is weird, but um, the helpful part about that is that I was already accustomed to it. Okay. So we would do like six to eight, you know, when I was growing up as a kid each year. Mm -hmm. So like I've been like halfway across Europe and, you know, understand the food concept and all that. But um, for me as an artist, I would say 23, 22, I started doing a lot of Arkansas and Mississippi and Memphis. Uh, that's when I met this guy over here in the corner who's <laughs> on the ground. Um <laughs> And uh, I was doing uh, a lot of worship gigs and I did some bar gigs and that was a lot of fun and um, played bass for a, an Americana worship artist for the better part of two years. Okay. Uh, and we did some really like regnet crazy kind of <laughs> stuff. Like, you know, um, I'll tell you about the, if you want to hear about it, I'll tell you about the craziest gig I've ever played. You go for it. If you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I can't turn that down. No, yeah. <laughs> I'll cut it if it's too bad. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not I, no, I, there's no cussing going to be happening. Any of that. But um, so I was, yeah, I was, I think I just turned 24 and we were going to play in Arkansas and it, the, the artist's name is Matt Koss. Okay. So this guy does like Americana blues type stuff and um, his, uh, you know, our pastor at the time was building this kind of like rehab center in the mountains in the Ozarks. And, okay. um, he wanted to have a dedication service. Um, so if you're in like the charismatic world, like they'll show up and pray and pour oil and all that fun stuff. And, uh, they said, yeah, it'll be, at, you know, 5 PM on Friday. And so Matt said, we'll get there at nine. We'll practice. We'll set up everything. And, you know, they told us there would be a tent and there would be you know, some, some sort of like, uh, fans or whatever and a stage and, uh -huh. you know, all that fun stuff. And, uh, uh, we get there and, and there was a tent, but, uh, there was no stage, there was no power and there was three foot tall grass underneath okay. the tent. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, one of the guys. Is there like a mishap or they just. Well, it, it gets a little crazy. Okay. I, I will, <laughs> I will leave out people's names and who people are. So I'll just say what happened. <laughs> okay. okay. So. The 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 person who was responsible for mowing the grass uh -huh. got drunk the night before. <laughs> he apologized. Um, and so we were like stuck because we have to bail this hay out. So we ended up bailing this hay out and we've got like Matt's got his wife with them and she's got a baby and it's like 102 degrees. You guys are like farming. Well, yeah, <laughs> like farming over here with like, you know, plowshares and stuff. And, and, um, you know, we finally get the sound system up and, you know, it's, it's manic and, um, you know, it's 10 minutes before the event, right? We haven't got to practice yet. Yeah. I don't have the set list yet. Line check? <laughs> Anything? We had done the, we've done the line check. There's no set list. <laughs> there's nothing. Forego it yeah. all. <laughs> and it starts to get a little crazy. I'm feeling, I probably the most, uh, anxiety that I felt because there was 300 people that came out of nowhere and <laughs> like, 
the uh, the governor of Arkansas was there. Okay. And the head of the Navajo Nation was there. Okay. It's some really bizarre kind of, you know. Which you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't think like anybody would show based on like how when you got there. No. No. <laughs> absolutely nowhere. not. Just 300 people showing. Yeah. So I'm like covered in sweat and, you know, I think I was actually wearing this shirt. And um, Matt, <laughs> Matt, he turns his head and he's like, you know. He's somewhere else. And you're playing... I'm playing bass. Bass for this, okay. For this. And he looks over and he says, we're going to play in G. Oh. And uh, <laughs> I'm like... There it is. Country G, yep. like C and, you know, doing national numbers. And um, But yeah, that's that was nuts. That's the hardest 300 bucks I've ever worked for. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah, my heart drops when I hear that number. Yeah, there's, there's some crazy things that I think musicians end up kind of just... Every gig is unique. You just mm-hmm. kind of sign up and then you're in it and mm-hmm. it's like they take different turns i was trying to think of like didn't you have one one time where you got like eaten alive by bugs because it was in a field yeah we had that uh, yeah i've had that happen yep oh, uh man. you had to like put nail polish on all the bites when you got home yeah so, yeah that one so was bad. bad we had uh i had another one where mm. they were doing it was like a 24-hour prayer yeah and we had one where um a guy got up in the middle of the set and grabbed the mic and was like, give me the mic. And he took it and proceeded to, ex- he, our set got extended like another like hour 15. Cause that's how he just stayed up uh-huh. there. Like, I think it was partially preaching. Part of it was praying, it was like but it, praying, yeah. we had like a two and a half hour set to begin with. So we ended mm. up there like just shy of four hours. And by the Ooh. end of it, I had just looped the part. I like uh-huh. I pulled out the looper and just looped whatever uh-huh. lead line needed to be sat played, down. and then I just sat on top of the. Air. <laughs> I was like sixteen, seventeen, so I did not care. Yeah. I was like, "All right, listen, we've already been here forty extra Fingers minutes." Are going numb. I was yeah. like, "The song's in D. Mm. We're just gonna swell a couple notes and then just be done." And mm. so I pivoted, but that one was that one was pretty fun. It was, uh, I think, at that age. Mm. I was still pretty carefree on mm. like, like it didn't bother me one mm. bit. I thought mm. it was kind of funny if anything. And I just like relaxed and, and went with it. But um, so when it comes to touring, like just as a, as an artist, so mm. like leading on a tour, mm. like how did you start doing that? What was one of the first like steps towards that process? Uh, I had a couple different bands and it, I just started like, like calling cold pat- calling people. Cold calling people. Yeah. I mean, they, what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have a budget, you're a young dude and you're working and you're, you know, you just have to figure it out. Yep. And, uh, you know, so I had a couple of interesting gigs the first time around. Um, I actually had a pop punk worship band and we played in this church and that was really fun and kind of ridiculous. I would say it was the first real gig for me. I played a gay bar with okay. my worship band. Okay. Which was, that's uh, unique. That was, that was a trip. Um, and I, I don't know how this happened, but there's this, uh, there's this bar in Columbia called the art bar. And it was when I, right after I got really serious, mm-hmm. I'd written like probably a couple hundred tunes, but I hadn't really gone out and done it as an artist. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, played one-offs and all this sort of thing. And um, God was just like, call them up. They'll, they'll open it up for you. And so they, they did. And I thought it was funny. The, the, like the second band was the silver tongue devils and the lead line band was called Raz. So you had like okay. Jacob Davis and the Nightingales with this like half like worship band, rock band thing. And yeah, um, it was crazy. We showed up there and two people went to 70 people and there's a bunch of drunk Marines telling me how much they love me and how much they love my yeah. music. And they're dancing to my testimonial tune instead mm. of like a, 
Yeah, I think one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things about like it sounds like the band wasn't quite just straight up worship tunes. So that's like mm-hmm. I think one of the things I wish that people especially in the Christian community more yeah. would go into wherever because the truth is is, mm-hmm. is that there's no I mean ultimately you're you're playing a gig and and right. you're there and there's, there's nothing like uh shouldn't be anything complicated about it it's mm-hmm. just showing up and and being a decent human being <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you know <laughs> like goodness it's just playing music you know mm-hmm. um so let me ask you like when it comes to facing hurdles maybe through touring maybe through mm-hmm. other parts of being an artist what are what are some hurdles you've experienced yeah um i'll answer the touring part first because that's a little easier uh i think um Really, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions and people have presuppositions. They have these expectations of who you are. And depending upon how you present yourself, they'll just like shut you down in five seconds flat. Mm-hmm. And so that can be hard. And so you just have to learn to be like, you know what? It's it's okay. Like I wasn't supposed to go there. It's fine. Move mm-hmm. on. Um, I think another thing too is uh, the more you can control uh, what you're bringing to an event, and knowing who's going to be there to help you, the better. Like, um, I was just talking about this with somebody today, uh, going over some stuff. You know, um, a lot of times I'll end up doing multiple roles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sound guy there who doesn't know what he's doing. Right, right. You know, you've got to make sure that you're getting paid. So you're, you're the one that goes and get the cash and make sure you have the conversation yeah. beforehand. And you're the one setting it up and tearing it down. And no one's running the merch table, so you need to run learn how to run the merch table and you can set your merch table up. Got the iPad with the, with oh, the yeah. little square reader. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, I was doing it before we had any of that. So mm. like I was in the process of like, you know, going from like A to Z and yeah. you know, we'd started off with like cold cash and envelopes and giving yeah. me war flashbacks over here. Oh yeah. Is, <laughs> cash box. Yeah. <laughs> cash box. Answering your bit about the artist bit, and I think I, I wrote this down. Um, I would say for me as an artist, the hardest bit has been, uh, when people ask me to be who I am Mm -hmm. and then they completely reject me as an artist. Mm. That's really hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, like what do you mean? So there's a lot of different wisdom in different camps, regardless of what genre you're in. And they're basically saying, just be you and do you and be the best you can be. Yeah. And, um, I think it's important to understand that only certain tribes are going to gravitate to what you're doing. Mm. And you can't really control how large that tribe is and who those people are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, your job is just to be true to the tribe. Hmm. Um, I think that's kind of what I've come to. It's a working theory, so don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no. So, like, for us, I think, um, you know, there's an element of, like, so we have a secular band and then we write Mm -hmm. worship tunes with our church. And Mm -hmm. then um, Shay and I are actually working on a worship album right Mm -hmm. now as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's this element of like in each of those scenarios, we go into different places, whether Mm -hmm. it's a bar or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's just a way that you're naturally inclined to, to act. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I go to gigs and for the most part, I'm pretty low key and I, I don't, I'm not like uh, big on the. It's not that I don't think showmanship's important because I mm. absolutely do, but mm. I'm not like a jump around the stage kind of guy. Even mm. though our music is, I would say, fairly energetic as far as the band goes, like yeah, secular mm. wise. Mm. I try um, to make up for it. And there's this there's this difference of like 
I would say our band is a big group of introverts. If anything, I think I might be the most extroverted out of our entire crew. Mm. And that's really unique because I, I kind of have gone through that same thing where it's like, well, just be yourself. And it's like, myself wants to not be in this room. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. But I also, my part of who I am, I feel mm-hmm. uh, led and, and called to, to share songs. And so there's this right. element where while I feel like I'm supposed to share songs, it's tough for me to do. I, mm. I love writing them. I would write them and be alone and write them all, all day and never mm. and never worry about it. But when you feel like you're supposed to share and I don't think you know quite how to be in that scenario, mm-hmm. uh, it's unique. I think a lot of people search for that. And then you, you see different artists. And this was always interesting to me. I watch other artists and they all, they're all varied. It's all just connecting with the mm-hmm. right group of people to match that. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think I get kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So as far as your music, you said you, so there's a question here that says, uh, what's something you hope to accomplish in your music career? And on the way in the door, you were like, I've hit a few musical accolades. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we can group all that together. Yeah. Like, yeah, give me some insight into that. I know you said you've hit some milestones or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting. So um, the biggest thing for me for the next two years is I wanted to, you know, go and do music full time. And there's a lot of different reasons why I wanted to do that. And, um, you know, I think every artist feels that way, but I felt led to do it, not just because I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, okay, Lord, what are we doing? He's like, start practicing, memorizing your stuff. Cause you're going to be on the road for, you know, forever. Mm. Um, and, uh, so lo and behold, now, um, I work for a college called Visible Music College and my main job has been an admissions counselor for them, which is just an academic salesman. Okay. Um, you know, I tried to make it cooler than it actually sounds. Like. It's, not, it's, not, it's not really a thing. That's really what it is. It's really what it is. <laughs> um, but now I've uh, been brought on as a booking agent for part of the time. Uh, I'm signed to Madison Line Records as okay. an independent artist. Um, and, you know, I've got the song Finch thing. Mm-hmm. So I've got extra income, main income, side income. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we just have like access to a lot of different um, churches and people. And we're going to be able to tour a lot. Cool. Um, I've also gotten to um, get connected with some people to do some pretty big co-writes. Okay. Um, so, and I'm also getting ready to finally release um, uh, one of the songs as a co-write with Andy Squires that is a cool friend. I like that guy. He's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I'm just, I'm fired up about it. I, I came <laughs> and fired up about it. I was like, yeah. this is going to be great. <laughs> so when it comes to doing your recording, I'm just curious, mm-hmm. where are you, where are you doing all that at right now? Like, is that because you're signed, there's a studio you're heading to specifically? What's that been like? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. Uh, the next project I'm doing um, is, is mainly out of necessity. Uh, I've got um, at least two to three different records I'm trying to get out in the next year or two. All underneath Jacob Adam Davis? All underneath Jacob Adam Davis, yeah. Okay. Um, the the first thing that I'm doing, because it's very cost-effective, is I've got just hundreds of worship songs, and they're starting to get in the way of my creativity. Like, <clears throat> I hit like a 700 or so in the last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, that's they're a not, little, that's just a couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're not all good. I'm not, there's plenty of bad ones out there. Um, but there's uh, at least 50 that I really love, and I'm trying to get, you know, 10 of those out. Narrow down. So yeah. I'm just going to invite um, my worship pastor to come to my house and we'll do a live acoustic okay. one oh, day, sweet. bring people over. I love that, like, before Maverick City was a thing, I love the whole spontaneous, like, house prayer worship stuff. Yeah. And so 
I've got like I didn't even know it, but the old church basement album I guess was co-written by Elevation. Somebody told me that yesterday that was down there, mm-hmm. which yeah. I did not understand that. But that's been I random yeah. factoid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what album number one is mm-hmm. the live worship. Yeah. Um, and then I've got another one. I'll I'll need to save up a little more moolah for it. But this one I want to do a more studio professional uh record. It's gonna be called Hymn of Grit. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna drop that single probably here in the spring. Okay. Uh, I'm waiting on like, I need my sister to sing something. And okay. Um, now when you say, mm-hmm. are you, are you getting, because you're signed and mm-hmm. I'm just curious because mm-hmm. you're signed, is that, is that part of that that you're going to get that recorded or? Yeah. Cause you said you're saving up money. So I'm just curious. Cause I think yeah. a lot of people think that, Oh, I'm signed. So therefore uh, yeah. there's no they cost. Do everything you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, that that's yeah. an interesting perspective. Somebody who is signed. Yeah do you end up paying for any of your records in that way? Like what's that, you know, what's yeah. some insight there? So, Cause I think people maybe think it's just free. Oh yeah, for sure. Not. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, so I think, um, a lot of independent labels, uh, will give smaller amounts of money mm-hmm. to certain projects and depends upon what the, what the label is. You know, a lot of them are popping up now. And it's just some grandma that has like a million and she wants to, <laughs> you know, it's that kind of situation. Got you. Um, but uh, yeah, they're wanting to do. Um, I don't know if you looked at any of my stuff. I love math rock. Okay. And I love alternative music. I'm an emo kid. Okay. All the way through and through. <laughs> and I really um, have always wanted to do a alternative emo, fully spontaneous worship EP live, okay. but no no pop progressions allowed. No, <laughs> no one five six four allowed. Okay, not okay. not even. Okay. Um, I want like screaming. Give me rap. Give me some breakdowns. Just like okay. But they really like that idea. Um, I I've, I've been passionate about it. and It's been sitting on a shelf and okay. So that'll be the thing that I do with them. You know? Now for so getting into the metal conversation, have did you grow up playing a lot of metal? Because I know you said your dad. Like, are you talking like seven strings in this on this record, or like you know how low are we tuning? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm well, a little bit of a metal head myself. Okay. So I'm just curious. Like, what what's your yeah. Yeah, um, I'll have stuff in drop D and C and C sharp, okay. and uh, I'll have a baritone for this record, so we'll have some stuff in drop A and okay, cool. all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, we'll just see how low we can get it. I'm, <laughs> my, my range is like three octaves in F, so okay, I I'd hate singing in G. I tell people like <laughs> G can get wrecked. It's yeah, key ever. Yeah, uh, I I had a. Uh, my range is limited is what i would say <laughs> okay. uh, i'm a baritone i didn't know that forever okay and so like a lot of like modern music was not accessible to me mm. i'd go to like single worship tune and like i could do like 90 percent of it but anytime they jump i was like that's not gonna work Man. and it took me mm-hmm. i did not start off did you start off singing or did you start off playing guitar I did start singing actually. Okay. So I started I started playing guitar first and I don't think I tried to sing until I was maybe like 15, 16. Mm, when did mm. what age did you start trying to pick up like different instruments? Yeah. Uh I think I was eleven when I picked up a guitar. Okay. I'd had some sax lessons and I'd been singing. That's so cool. I'm so jealous of that. <laughs> sax saxophone lessons? Yeah. Like how old were you learning saxophone? Uh, I think it was eight. That's just ridiculous. That's so cool. My father in law was a saxophone major. Okay. So I, I like I just got to see him you play heard it live, live for the first for time. The second okay. time. Second time Christmas, I've ever right? seen it live. And yeah. I'm well, one thing, he messed up a couple times. <laughs> okay. And so so he's gonna be <laughs> He's gonna be mad he's you put that on the that I'm podcast. This up. But we go to play his uh service on Christmas Day. Okay. And 
I guess like impromptu, yeah. somebody was like, hey, can you play instrumentally uh, mm-hmm. some saxophone stuff during this like unique thing that's a part of the message or whatever, uh-huh. which he planned the message. So it was like uh-huh. partially on him. But he goes to play this and he didn't even get a chance to put a reed on the oh, instrument yet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> warm up I didn't anything? even know what it sounds like when somebody's messing up on saxophone. Like uh-huh. all this is totally brand new to me. And my brother-in-law and I, my brother-in-law is 21. We're sitting in the, in, and we're on the live stream too. You can see we're yeah. in like the second pew. Yeah. This is like still. And uh, as he starts to play, can you? Cause no, you can, I cannot do it. Yeah, he, but you know he how to do it. He made some squeaky noises. We'll and just put it that as way. it's happening, Cameron and I are looking down. Try not to <laughs> die laughing. Oh, no. And you can see it on camera afterwards. He we was didn't so know. irritated. We went back us. and watched it, and you can see us both just dying. And my, my mother-in-law going, stop it. <laughs> Looking next he, to us. He, he did great but the whole rest he did. of the time. He killed but, it after that, but it was just oh, a consequence a little, of... A little squeaky. Of, right now, there he is both leading worship and preaching. So oh, he's okay. going from like thing to okay. thing to thing, and it just... The time to rehearse saxophone for the morning was not there. Mm. So I felt for him, but I also had never experienced that before and mm. I was not prepared to not laugh mm. kind of thing. I didn't see it coming. Man, my dad would have had a panic attack if he had done that. Uh, <laughs> he's a bass player and okay. guitar player and he he like meticulously practices. He will, he will not play if it's not. Really? Like it's just it has to be up here or it's nothing. It's oh, not he happening. Would, he would get irritated with me then. <laughs> I don't, I don't okay. practice for anything. I don't think so. He's gracious. He's notorious for that. Oh, man. So so tell us about your musical influences. Obviously, you grew up, like, you told us a little bit about growing mm-hmm. up in the studio and mm-hmm. then, like, traveling abroad. But what about, like, specific artists? Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, there is this, the first artist that was really important was actually John Cox, who I, I don't think I put him on in your notes. Um this guy, his band went on to be Sonic Flood, um, but he had the solo career, and he was doing pop punk before pop punk was a thing. Okay, but with like a Matchbox Twenty acoustic guitar kind of deal. Mm. So when you know my friend David Beck was like, "Hey, you got to check out Blink One Eighty Two," and I'm in middle school and life is the worst. Uh-huh. I'm like, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> Blink sounds great." Yeah. Uh, so I think Blink One Eighty Two, um, Green Day. Uh, you know, um, there's a long period where John Mark Millen's like a big deal. Yeah. So, so what would you say like your main is your main instrument guitar? Then uh, like as far as like playing goes. Yeah, as playing goes. Um, but I'm trying to get all my other instruments up to the same. Yeah. Do you have like uh what would be what would the hierarchy be? Yeah. Uh after voice, it's guitar, bass, um, and then mandolin and piano are kind okay. of at the same how long have you been playing mandolin for it's not uh, one that everybody six says six years okay something like that mm-hmm. yeah how'd you get into that just somebody had one or no i really wanted to and i thought it'd be good for a lot of the americana stuff that i was writing okay um and uh yeah it's kind of been an asset okay mm-hmm. yeah i i picked up um guitar first uh trey and i talked about this because a girl <laughs> it was why I picked yeah, up guitar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, I started taking, well, piano, I wouldn't say the theory part came naturally, but the, the dexterity of being able to play one came mm-hmm. really natural to me. Mm. Um, and so I started taking, I joined a band where one of them was a vocal coach and the mm. other was a piano teacher. So I started uh-huh. taking lessons from both of them. Uh-huh. And I didn't take piano for very long, just like enough to get up and running. And mm-hmm. but I've been playing ever since then, and that would have been maybe 
16 and then vocals was a process that started from 15 to I still I, I we're, we have vocal tracking tomorrow uh-huh. and on Tuesday and I stress about it to the nines I I, I love it mm-hmm. because I love songwriting mm-hmm. not because I just like love to sing but mm-hmm. I love writing that's that's mm-hmm. really the thing that grabbed hold of me and that mm-hmm. I do all mm-hmm. the time it's therapy for me mm-hmm. oh me yeah. uh voice for the longest time mm-hmm. um I fiddled with guitar because i was i had a lot of them in my house growing Mm. up and Mm. you know could go in and goof off whenever i wanted to but Mm. i didn't really start playing it until um my youth band leader told me i was playing one week or something like that and he was like learn chords and i was like okay so we learned the c a minor f g progression Uh uh got that down pat still have it down pat um and i i don't know that i'm still not great at guitar i don't think i'm great at guitar i can make it through a worship service but like i'm not the one who tracks anything while we're in here he he was tracking bass the other day that's the Mm. other thing i play Mm. um which i also filled out of necessity because our band didn't have a bass player but Mm. he he wrote a part on bass that i will never be able to play in my entire life and i'm like thank you we're gonna get you making that it'll happen it's a cool part i'll show it to you later if you didn't see the clip but here for it but um yeah, I I pretty much honestly like once I started writing everything mm-hmm. that I play has mm-hmm. become a, a like oh I already wrote this mm-hmm. and I can't do it yet so mm-hmm. let me just like I'm just bridging the gap of whatever I wrote and mm-hmm. it's been the same thing with voice for me as well like I I hear something in my head I want it to exist but I can't do it yet mm-hmm. and it's just about getting to that spot and that's just I think maybe between that and then like recording mm-hmm. the same time like hear starting to hear yourself back more and more and more and more i think that really pushed me because i'm like okay yeah. like i know where i mm-hmm. want it to be and i can clearly hear it's not there how to get yeah. to that point yeah, yeah. um which that that kind of segues me into uh, we were talking this season about like what we want our like we do a branded question mm. um where we ask everybody and hopefully put it together in a compilation at the end but mm. um i wanted to ask you what's your process taking a song like from start to finish what I, know, I think that's probably a little different for everybody, but I think that that's a unique kind of uh, process for each person. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, um, regardless of whatever the starting point is, uh, I usually get an itch. Uh, I'll call it like a mental itch. Okay. Um, and uh, whether it's you know a worship song or a you know a uh, I don't want to use the word secular because I I, don't, I disagree with the secular sacred argument. I think it's crap. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll say uh, commercial, okay. commercial okay. tune. I get an itch of some sort and I'm like, ah, oh, like I wish there was something about this or mm-hmm. that. I wish there was a song about this. And eventually after mewling over it for, you know, the better part of a couple of days, I come up a melody, a lyric line, chord progression comes to my mind, a riff. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, that seems like that's worth pursuing. So then I'll sit down and I'll just crank out the entire tune. Okay. Um, and one sitting. One sitting, just yep. sit, sit there, knock it out. Um, regardless of how good or how bad it is or whatever, I'm not going to get up until it's quote unquote done with the first draft. Okay. And then I usually, because I'm usually done by 8 p.m. or whatever, when I whenever I sit down to do it. Um, and then I'll go to bed. I wake up the next day and I'll go back and edit and change and add parts maybe like now are you just based on what you're saying you're so you're tracking this on the way in basically like as you write you're recording 
Uh, it depends. On something? Uh, yeah. Like it, voice note even? <laughs> kind of? I, I think it depends on how difficult it is. Okay. So um, I'm of the opinion that most of the time, if a song is great, it will be great with an acoustic rhythm guitar and a vocal track. Mm. Um, the exceptions would be is that if there isn't an acoustic guitar and if it's a heavier, riffier. Yeah, or if, yeah, no vocal, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I usually, if it's just acoustic thing, then I'm just trying to get the sauce. Like we're yeah. trying to get to that, you know, magical moment um where you know people are like that's it that's the thing right um and uh so yeah that's kind of what i'm going for um if it's with the worship song uh usually god will be like say this and like lay out a line for me or you know he'll be like i want you to write something about this and doesn't give me any instruction at all or mm. whatever and then i just kind of roll with that okay mm -hmm. yeah now once you've got them written like I mean, you said like you said something like seven hundred songs. So obviously, probably not everyone. But mm -hmm. um, when you're taking the song to like mm -hmm. getting it to the point where you're putting it out, mm -hmm. so once it's written, mm -hmm. like what what's your process look like? From okay, so like you've done the first draft, mm -hmm. so to speak, mm -hmm. and then you want to mm -hmm. put it out. Are you working with a bunch of other musicians? Like, what's kind of your typical? You have like a typical way you go about getting one, like finally produced kind of thing yeah I, I like working with friends that i know that are good enough to play it yeah and so I've yeah got, so you don't play everything on them no okay <laughs> some people uh, do <laughs> yeah some people do I, I i can i will um demo it out fully if i okay. feel like if there's like a certain thing that i want mm -hmm. you know like um you know i'll love um gospel progressions so i'm kind of obsessed with flat major chords and okay. minor fours and i love extensions um, so the crazier it gets, the more narrow the group of people that I'll ask to play. Mm -hmm. And I might end up playing more, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, to kind of answer your question further, a lot of my songs get demoed and then I'll just like road test them. Okay. And if the road test fails, then you know you need to go back and <laughs> yeah, go fix keep it. Going back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think a big um, factor is how much go get them, you know, tenacity do you have as a person and how much diligence do you have? And that really, I think, is the, the key factor in how much you can do in yourself versus with other people. Hmm. And then also knowing your strengths. Like, I suck at drums. Like, <laughs> like I just straight up suck. Like, yeah. I can't do it. Which is funny because that's the first instrument I picked up. And really? I can hold like the four and the four beat and everything else just sounds like garbage. I'm working on it right now, actually. I'm, okay. I, yeah, I picked up a, like a little, uh, we, we've played a little bit through the years. There's a couple mm -hmm. impromptu times where somebody's like, we really need this. And I'm like, all right, but only these like two songs are available. <laughs> and it's like a youth worship set or something like that, you know? Yeah. And we've played, I've played twice for that. And then um, I kind of decided to take a crack at it. That was like a birthday thing. It's sitting October. in my living room right So now. there's a nice kit in nice the living kit. room, but you know. It's fine. I try to keep it quiet. It's an electric kit, but it does the job. It does okay. the job. Um, so one of the other questions we asked everybody last season, and we'll bring this back, which is just mm -hmm. kind of like in a general sense, and mm -hmm. and to kind of recap for people who maybe mm -hmm. haven't seen it since we're mm -hmm. launching into a new season. One of my favorite things about music mm -hmm. um, is is that it it bridges a gap, and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm kind of answering this for myself. Mm -hmm. um, like the reason, I know it's kind of weird because. I think at least in this room, everybody's mm. believers, but mm. also a lot of us have written secular, if you will, music. Yeah. And for me, like, I've always just felt a 
like a conviction to be honest about how I feel, which is mm-hmm. not always good. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think there was a time where like when I would watch people, especially in the church, not that they, I don't, you know, I, you mm-hmm. can't put all your problems on other people. At least mm-hmm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And, but I look, I watched and I was like, it again, it's not their job to like prove anything to me. I, mm-hmm. I don't feel that way, but mm-hmm. I would watch it and I'd be like, I don't know if that's real. Mm-hmm. I'm really skeptical on the, on the front end of it. And everything I gravitated towards in music that I felt like, oh, that person understands me mm. was somebody writing secular tunes. And that mm. was a really weird thing. And like you trying to navigate that. And I always valued it, not necessarily uh, when Trey was on, we talked about this. Like, I don't think that should happen from the stage at a church at all. Mm. <laughs> uh, maybe not at all, but like generally speaking, that's not what I'm sitting here advocating for. Mm. Mm. Um, but I always appreciated it when somebody who was in a church would tell me about something that was going on in their life that wasn't all just like, mm-hmm. praise God, you know, and that's great. Obviously mm-hmm. we need to do mm-hmm. that, but I just always valued the extra input. And so mm-hmm. when it came to like my writing, mm-hmm. as I started to write, I just wrote about wherever I was at right then and there. I, w- mm-hmm. I wasn't like filtering it out because mm-hmm. that would be weird to me i don't know Mm -hmm. i know some people Mm -hmm. maybe do or maybe write and then like don't Mm -hmm. put out certain things but Mm -hmm. we've always just kind of felt like Mm -hmm. i mean we're writing it it's like maybe there's a thing here and there i hold back but Mm -hmm. generally speaking we just feel like one of the most valuable things about that is is that you're just being honest Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. we always try to like i think about it and when i think on music and what it means to us is it bridges this gap where we get to like connect with people that maybe we wouldn't normally, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll go play in a bar, go play mm-hmm. in these places where mm-hmm. maybe we don't believe the same thing. I don't care what other I, I, I do, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like have hate in my heart for people that don't believe the same things as me, not an ounce. And so there's this element of like, I get to connect because I know that whether or not we're going through the same thing or we believe the same thing or everything about us is identical. There's probably been some things that we've gone through that maybe we've had the same feeling on. And maybe you'll hear that in this song or that mm-hmm. song or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it just opens a door, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that about music. And so that was kind of even some of the vision of the show mm-hmm. is we're always talking with people about music, whether mm-hmm. it's people that we meet randomly mm-hmm. or people that we meet at church or people that we meet like mm-hmm. getting coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I will pass that to you. What does music mean to you? I'm sorry. I took a lot of the time. <laughs> I love how passionate you are about that. I'm very passionate it's about okay. it. That's it's why okay. I'm sitting here doing what I'm doing. It's so great. I, I was just telling my coworkers that y'all are like the Joe Rogan of like worship leading podcasts. <laughs> I'm going to take that. That's fantastic. I, yeah, I got to find a way to print that on a shirt. You should. Go right ahead. Um, I think uh, music is the universal language of emotions. And it's amazing. Uh, it can be... Um, a really great friend when there's no one else around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, um, I know we're not necessarily on a testimonial bit, like, but I was sitting there, you know, my, uh, my, excuse me, my wife's mentor is getting married tomorrow. Uh-huh. So we're here in town celebrating her and, uh, you know, lady's in her sixties and she's remarrying and it's a beautiful thing, but it's, uh, maybe very pensive. And I was sitting there thinking about 13 year old Jacob today and, um, the depression I battled, the demonic night terrors for eight years, the, um, you know, uh, early onset alcoholism and all kind of other evil things and how different of a person I was. And I found music and, uh, you know, hearing this like 
cessationistic Bible church culture, God started speaking through music, and that was my only community. And to see God like transform my life and use music as the continual like um, background and the um, you know the paint that goes on the canvas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just been a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, you know, I think music is also like the man, how do I, how do I describe it's it's like it's like having a friend that can handle your hottest emotions. Hmm. Whether you're incredibly sorrowful or whether you're incredibly joyful or you're incredibly thankful. Um, it has the capacity, you know. I would almost, you know, use the picture of like Atlas, even though I'm not a Greek god believer, because that'd be kind of weird. But you know, <laughs> Atlas is like holding up the Earth, right? And that's like his whole thing, and he gets tricked in that. But um, you've done more school than I have. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a nerd, so people people think that I'm not, and I'm really a nerd. Um, but um, he's like, you know, holding up the Earth or whatever in the Greek pantheon, and and I think music is a lot like that, and. Uh, as a like follower of Jesus, I think God allows music to to be this this space, this canvas um, that can hold these really hard things, hmm. and uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. That's a good. I like that. I love that every every, every single musician. It's like similar but slightly different, and <laughs> it's so unique to hear. Like that's part of the vision for the podcast in mm-hmm. the first place. Is mm-hmm. like we're always talking to people about mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Um, well, we're we're running a little low on time. Mm-hmm. I got two questions for you, mm-hmm. which you walk through the door with them, and I gotta I gotta hear the story about this. <laughs> you you came through the door with potato chips and orange juice, <laughs> and and then proceeded to say it was some sort of like tried and true method, and I you I was literally like I started to ask you to explain, and then we cut you off and said wait, save it for the show. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, run me down the the Lays and Tropicana dynamic yeah, duo here. Yeah, it's not even Tropicana, it's the orange juice factor. Okay. Um, so uh, in the 80s, uh, Amy Grant, this this is a story from my dad, so uh, you're going to have to fact check me later on. Okay. This, okay, well, Amy Grant, if you see this yeah. clip, yeah. feel free to verify. <laughs> yeah, so Amy Grant shows up in the studio and she's got a tune she's got to record and um, they start taking the first take and the producer immediately stops her and he's like, what, what? what kind of crap did you eat? It's like, oh, I had cake, you know? And he was like, okay, give me one second. He brought back a bag of chips and some orange juice. Have that. And she has that. And then the second take, she nailed it. She's like, what is this? And he's like, this works every time. Okay. And uh, so in college, I, I had a whole class on tannins. And uh, tannins- like, the, like the, like from the show where they're like freaking tannins. Like with wine, like tannins? So, yeah, there's tannins in wine, but tannins essentially are chemicals, um, potassium and, and different other like okay. polarizations. Okay. They drastically um, can affect your voice if you're sensitive to them. Hmm. And uh, so this doesn't work for everybody, but uh, I have low blood sugar and I did a whole experiment where I figured out different juices did different things to my voice naturally. Okay. Um. And so, because we're singing an emo worship tune today, okay. I needed some. I need some extra sauce. Okay. And orange juice. Um. It allows me if I'm doing orange juice, and then um, what I call the rock triangle. I was a vocal teacher for a while. Okay. Um. You just sing out of one side of your mouth. You create a triangle with your mouth. You know. Um. Doing that uh allowed me to not hurt myself, so hmm. I could add as much dirt 
as I wanted to or as clean of a sound as I wanted to. Okay. Um, this doesn't work for everybody because some people have high blood sugar and some people You're like right. they'll they'll drink like tea and they're like so <laughs> how widespread of a thing is the orange juice and potato chips? Is this like unique to you or is this like there are other people that do this too? This this is a, a major thing for a lot of people. Okay. Wow. I've never yeah I mean like I've heard of like the you know like the the whiskey because that's like you know but not you know I don't know like for me personally I've always just been like water maybe a little bit of tea that's no. like all I've ever done you know and, oh and man there's this element of like you hear different stories I yeah. I've never had other than doing warm ups mm. drinking water mm-hmm. not drinking coffee mm-hmm. and drinking uh, throat coat tea yeah those have been that's all I do vocally is there some, uh, okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm curious because I like potato chips. Yeah, no, this and so I like orange juice. You're just I'm not giving against, him an excuse. I'm not to against that method. Lays. This is for my health. <laughs> yeah, well, sodium is sodium is good for you. Um, pretty much any drink is like juice is okay, except for cranberry juice. It'll okay, highly dehydrate you. Milk is a huge no. Don't touch dairy with a ten foot pole. Okay, it's so bad for you before you sing. Is coffee really bad for you? It's, it's coffee's bad for you. Um, you know, Darn. in terms of like your voice, but it does it you does wake that. you up. It's it's a, like it's like a double edged sword hope. for me. Well, it's a double edged sword for me because um, it's great you know for keeping you mentally awake. Yeah. Um. So you need two cups, uh, like measuring cups of water for every measuring cup of coffee that you have. So I've heard this and then I've, yeah. but I've also met people who seem like miraculously unaffected by coffee. And I, I always, drink coffee I feel I it really heavily. I get really dried out when I drink coffee. Mm. Um, but I also drink a lot of coffee. So there's this element where I watch other people and they're like, yeah, it doesn't really bug me. And, and it, some of them, they talk to me and it's like, they think of it like tea because it's like a hot beverage. It's so it's like warm. And like, mm-hmm. so there's this like idea that somehow it's soothing, but I don't know. I've never felt that way. So mm. I had hope though. Mm. I had hope. <laughs> I, I, I'm calling urban myth on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, I appreciate you giving me insight to it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, um, I'm probably, I'm going to have to try this because I'm doing some tracking this week. So mm. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I'll let you know if it works. Um, so in closing, you said it was a, what you already Emo described it song. to some extent, but tell us about the song that you're going to do today. Yeah. So I'm empty. Um, for all those listening that are math rock fans, I'm sorry. It's not a math rock tune. Uh, <laughs> this is like, it's kind of like my business card song is what okay. I'm describing it as. Um, so it's, it's, it's emo, but it's a worship song. You could definitely sing it in church. You could also not sing it in church because it's gutsy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a co-write with a pastor of mine. He was going through a really hard time. Um, it was a 2020 tune. There's a lot of 2020 tunes coming out that are like mm-hmm. major yeah. mm-hmm. heavy hitters because that was like the world phenomenal, you know, world, pho- not phenomenal, world phenomenal we went through that was this like traumatic yeah. thing, mm-hmm. you know. And um, anyway, but uh, we both had really hard years. He sent me the lyrics and asked me to put it to melody and chords. And I added, I believe, the bridge um, and then changed up some things and made it so that it was singable and uh, presented it for church. And they loved it. And it was like an anthem for them. And then my one of the elders at our church, uh, David Escrow, comes to me and says, hey, I have a prophetic word for you and you're not going to like what I'm going to say. Mm. You're going to live this song. And it's going to humble you. And uh, he was right. I went through like the worst possible. I mean, like not, I wasn't the prodigal, but I went through what the prodigal went through. Yeah, I saw I saw a little. I think you made a post about it. I mm-hmm. think I saw mm-hmm. a touch of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, however deep into it you want to go, go for it. Yeah. I mean, um, 
you know, I lost like six months of shows. I had, I had a breakout tour with Under the Radar with Kevin Max and his mm. crew. Um, and that like blew up. Fell and, through. Yeah, just yeah. everything. Was, you know, I was just teaching and derping around. And, and then I had to move back here and I was painting. And, and this know, is after you wrote the song? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was just like, you know, brutal. Um, yeah. And uh, on top of all that, you know, I'd, um, the, the good part was that I met my wife and we got married, you know, we've been married six months and a couple of days now. Oh, congrats. Um, that was a good part. <laughs> but like, I was telling her like, babe, this is like the worst possible time that <laughs> you could have met me ever. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, God used that and like the fire of it allowed me to, um, just become a more humble and person and. Mm. Um, I wasn't a, a jerk, but I think I, I definitely was just, uh, I was so go get him that I was missing, um, the beauty that is, that is happening in life with the, the gift that we have that God's given us just, you know, I was missing the smelling of the roses. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, good. Yeah. Nice, man. Well, um, on that note, I'm excited to hear the song. I haven't actually heard it yet. I watched, I listened to a <laughs> okay. couple of them on Spotify here and there. I think I might have heard like a clip of it okay. here and there. If, if you've played it on Instagram, uh-huh. I, I think I scrolled through those and saw a couple of you playing. But I'm uh, excited. We try to, to ride this line between like knowing, knowing enough, enough about the person, but not uh-huh. too much about but the like, person. We don't, I, know. I want to like ev- that way. Everything we don't want to answer not, your questions for you. Yeah, like so, like I didn't, I didn't read like through it all. I, she told me you answered them all, and I was like, I'm I just read gonna it, wait. I'm so we keep it like try to keep yeah. a certain amount of informed yeah. amongst all of us. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the show, Jacob. It was great to have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to, we're going to close it here. Um, where can people find your music? Where can people find your Instagram? Like plug mm-hmm. everything and everything you want to plug. Yeah. So you can find my music under Jacob Adam Davis on pretty much any platform that you want. Uh, I know that most people are on Spotify and Amazon and Apple whatever. music, Apple music. So you can find it there. Mm-hmm. My, the majority of my social media is under JAD music life. And my okay. website's jabmusiclife.com. Um, if you're an older person and you like Facebook, then you can find me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's almost gone. <laughs> yeah, it's almost gone. It's yeah. almost gone. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, Jacob, thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. And without any further ado, here is I'm Empty by Jacob Adam Davis. took from me 
Yeah, where my fortune fades across roads of my journey How your goodness I will speak of Where all my dreams arose Yes, in your love and reverence where I can be known I'm in Draws me close and intimacy reveals. So I look at my depression and say to my defeat that Jesus is a friend of mine, the Lord who meets my needs. It's never about the feeling, it's always about your Lord. So here I shout the victory. Space. 